Okie dokie. I mean, I'm never ready, but I mean. Did you add your what school to, or are you just going to do it? I have, I have the, the websites open, um, so I'm just going to add to that. I'm just going to do it. Cool. What did you, what did you add? The, the red oh. hydrogen, the phone? What's that? The red hydrogen foam? What is the, what, tell me, the, I'm excited, tell me yeah, what the you will. Yeah, you will find out. <laughs> In my own podcast. On my terms. <laughs> Creepy. Welcome to the No Budget Filmmaking Podcast, presented by Cinema Summit, a podcast about the art of making films, no matter how small the budget. And now, here are your hosts, Alex Dark and Trevor L. Nelson. All right. Oh, God, we were filming. We were recording already. Damn it. <laughs> yeah, for four minutes. Damn it. Four well, that's going to have to be 17 seconds. Oh, no. That's not what people want to listen that's to. That's a real long cold open. Yeah, that's bad. That's bad. Uh, hey, everyone. Uh, welcome back. Thanks for joining us on this sixth episode of the No Budget Filmmaking Podcast. I'm Trevor L. Nelson. And I'm Alex Dark. And today we're going to talk about renting equipment. Oh, sweet. But first, what are we drinking today, Alex? What are we drinking? I got um, it actually right here. Yeah, you got it. It's Old Smoky Tennessee Moonshine Blackberry flavored. Yeah, and it's pretty dang good. Yeah, they got us. It at came the in these tiny little baby uh, mason, jar. mason jars. They got us at the checkout. We were, we were buying beer at the liquor store, and there are these things sitting there, a dollar. I was like, those yep. dang impulse buys. I know. I bought this, two People magazines, a National Enquirer, and six boxes of gum. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they were the the checkout people were startled when you bought six boxes instead of six packs. I'm I'm a man who likes his gum. Well, it was all orbits. Yeah. Um, but uh, you also got your travel taken care of. Yeah. <laughs> Boo! <laughs> Alex is a fan of the puns, and I hate him for it. Yeah. Um, but even more, well, okay, not firstly, but secondly, what's mm-hmm. new with us? What's new with us? What's new with us? So we are right now. Working on a pack of LUTs. Yes, yes. That are inspired by some of our favorite films and TV shows. Um, for those of, of you who do not know what LUTs are, that means lookup tables. And what they are, they're kind of, I would best describe them, simply describe them as kind of like color presets for your camera. So if there's a, a look of a film that you like or kind of like you really like the reds to pop or all that, you can add these lookup table files to your camera and it will kind of give you, uh, or your monitor even, so you're not recording in a LUT, and it will give you this look that you can kind of, uh, you know, adjust to uh, on set. Yeah, and then afterwards in post, you apply the same LUT uh, in your color correction program of choice, Yep, and that way it will theoretically look like what you wanted it to when you were shooting it. Yeah, and so we're uh, we're building some of those based on movies that we think look awesome and think you will think look awesome as well and mm-hmm. you'll be able and to And TV shows and even. And TV shows, yep, because I mean, who Netflix. doesn't love some TV shows who, nowadays? Nowadays, man, Netflix is looking and HBO always Mighty looks damn fine. good. Yeah. So, uh yeah, we're going to make those available for people to purchase and test them out and give a go and see if they like them and all that fun stuff, and so that should be available soon. Alex is a color master, so he's he's been working on those. Yeah. A color master, he, master he stays in the lines. I do until he decides to go outside the lines. You know, it's more artistic that way. Yeah, I won't let no one tell me what to do, <laughs> except his mom and his fiance. Who's that? Who's that line to say <laughs> that that's the way it should be colored? That's society, man. 
That's, I guess that's so. the man, man. That is the man. Um, we're also uh, waiting for Spotify to approve us. A lot of people have reached out to us and said that they can't get this podcast on Spotify. Well, that's because Spotify is being dumb right now. Yeah, um, they're not. They're not. Uh, they're not working real quick. No, you had to have a minimum of five episodes before you could even submit to Spotify. So Tuesday morning, uh, we of last week, we um, put up our fifth episode and then immediately hit. Send to Spotify, and it has been sitting in the waiting to confirm. Yeah, it's uh, under review. Yeah, so, uh, man, you know, I kind of figured everyone except our relatives would hate us, but I didn't think Spotify would hate us. Yeah, they're probably listening to each episode very closely. Like, what is this? Can we consider this a podcast? Can we consider these people experts? Yeah. Uh, no, nah, pass. No. We're going to put this no. under Negative. parody and comedy. <laughs> yeah. Not informative at all. Exactly. We're going to be right next to Grandma's bird treats. <laughs> <laughs> Conversations with a parakeet. <laughs> hey, I'll take that. She's got 5,000 subscribers. So. Yeah, it's a great Nailed one. Nailed it. And then uh, let's see what else. So we, um, we have a friend who is in the development world. I'm sure most people will find those friends as they're working in the industry. And he, uh, we had pitched him an idea a while ago. Don't want to give too much away. Um, and he talked to us. He, he's working for a production company. And we're kind of... In limbo, maybe working on it, maybe not working on it. Going to write a, a treatment, an outline, and all that, and see what he thinks, and then go from there. So that's kind of a kind of exciting news. Don't know where it's going to go. You can never really be too sure in this industry. But uh, yeah, he had he had a pitch meeting yep. with um, the executives at a company, and um, they really liked it. And then they went off to a venture capitalist company who was going to finance the slate of films for them. And the venture capitalist company thought. It was good, but not what they wanted for the slate. So we're going to try to team up with this production company that liked it to take it elsewhere for a different yeah, maybe round not, of funding. Maybe not a slate, maybe just an individual uh, financing project. Um, yes, indeed. See where that goes from there. So that's exciting. Um, still working on our other script, too. That's a never-ending process. And never we're kind of burning process. that one to the ground and re redoing it. And we... Lucked out at an auction the Ooh. other day and grabbed some sweet airy handles. Did we? Some luck hand out? grips. We, we spent too much, more than we should. Yeah, we spent way too much. And yeah, uh, we got some cool stuff. We, I mean, we spent more than we should, but still we paid less than we ever could retail. So Absolutely. These yeah. are crazy expensive airy stuff. Airy stuff is, uh, is crazy expensive. And not to say that it's not worth it. The quality is ridiculous. Yeah. These handles are, I would say, what would you say, die cast? I have no idea how they. There's just a single piece to... of metal that have wires running through them, and they are just built like a tank. Yeah, they are. And uh, got two of those bad boys. And uh, if you guys didn't hear the news, Claremont Camera was bought out by Keslow Camera. Keslow Camera, and so they're kind of consolidating all their equipment. And so they had an auction with some Claremont Camera equipment that they didn't want anymore. So we got these sweet battery backpacks that are kind of like built into a Camelback. Yeah, crazy stuff. I mean, I'm. <sighs> I just when I saw those, my mind went wild thinking about all the cool stuff we could do with that. If you've listened to our earlier podcast, we're all about battery power, our lights, our cameras, as much battery power, and like not having to get a generator or hook up to wall power is our jam. And so we buy a lot of batteries. Yeah, and if I I, I get them, we bought a bunch of batteries at that one. I can't remember which ones are which, but I think was one of them like thirty amps. Yeah, I think so. I think one of the, the the bigger backpack batteries was. Yeah, so can you imagine wearing that battery and just for your camera as you're running and gunning, and you got no battery changes whatsoever for oh, like seven days? That's amazing. <laughs> that's not, and, and that's these not things, true, but yeah. you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. A long time. A long time. You get at least a full day out of that. 
Um, and th- I mean, these are these. Yes, they're built into Camelback backpacks, but they are, have like metal aluminum frames that were specially made for them. These things are some beefy things. They're 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 heavy, but they got good support, so you're going to be good to go. Yeah, they're no joke. Plus, we got some battery belts, mm-hmm. which are always fun. Always, and the battery belts and the the smaller backpacks came with. Uh, chargers built into the the cases the so case. big Very fan cool. big fan we just got to find some chargers for these 30 amp ones Those plus are... weirdly enough one of the things i'm the most excited about Uh-oh. was a gang of cables that Ooh, we got because we yeah. got some sweet 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 cables four pin Ooh. and three pin xlrs like 10 or 15 mm-hmm. of each at about 25 feet it doesn't take a whole lot to uh, get me all hot and bothered clearly <laughs> you're a cheap date Cheap date. Gives Talking about cables. Give you three cable. pins and four <laughs> pins, and that, that really does it for me. Hello, sailor. sailor. Well, yeah. So, so uh, I think that's about it for yeah for what's new with what's us. New. Uh, let's uh, let's move it on to the the topic at hand today. The topic of the day, as it were. Um. So. Today we're talking about renting equipment. So you got your you've done your pre production. You got your money one way or another. Don't know how. Don't don't. Not going to worry about that. Um, but now it's time to get into the nitty gritty of it and start putting your production together. And it's time to talk about equipment, which we are equipment nerds. Yeah. And so a lot of people, when they're shooting films and, and series, will go out and rent from a rental house. Because mm-hmm. um, most people don't hoard equipment like we do. Oh, if, you, if you only knew people. Um, <laughs> our fiance and wives are very upset about how we do not have a house. But instead, we have a studio full of equipment. Yeah. Um, but so, that's company money. That's company money. Exactly. Um, so, yes, we love equipment. Yeah. Uh, so, what's the, um, what's the normal process for renting equipment for a project? First is come up with your list. Um, yep. And then to work with all the, the principals on, on the crew and figure out what they want to use. I mean, usually when you're choosing your DP, if it's somebody you haven't worked with before, uh, you kind of work about what camera you want, and you know you could go. Uh, we could we could do an entire episode of this podcast just on the camera alone because the camera is such a huge decision. Maybe more so than it needs to be, but yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you sit down and for me at least, I talk to everyone I'm working with and say, hey, what what equipment do you like working with? What equipment is not that important? Where can we save some money? Where where is like you know. Where's your sweet spot? Um, yeah, because I think a lot of DPs have kind of a standard list that they want mm-hmm, yeah. always, really, no matter what. Yeah, no matter the budget. This is like, the, uh, if you want to work with me, this is what I demand. Yeah, because they, it's what they're comfortable with. They know they can get certain types of looks with certain types of lights. And so yeah. if you try to make them compromise on that, you're kind of making them compromise on the potential quality of the work, even though I'm, yeah. you know. DPs are able to work with whatever is given to them. It's just yeah. it's going to make things a little bit more complicated. They'll have to figure things out instead of already knowing, like, okay, if I use a 4x4 four four Kino Flow, I kind of know what that's going to do. But since I have to use um, a 1x1 one one light panel, it's going to yeah. do different things. I'm going to have to figure out how to modify it to get that same look. And that also comes along with uh, pre-production and like you know, doing some test shooting if you can, if you have the money to rent stuff for a day or two before you shoot and test it out and get you know make sure the DP is comfortable with this equipment you do end up getting. But it de- it definitely comes down to budget. I mean, yeah, everyone wants to get all the equipment. Everyone wants their you know three five ton grip trucks parked outside. Um, I see them all the time in downtown. Um, they look 
beautiful, but half the time they do look really cool. They look awesome. They're well put together. They're well built, well organized. Uh, just makes you know you get all worked up about cables. I get worked up about well organized and filled grip trucks. Oh my god, yeah. Oh man, now you're talking my language. But most of the time, if you if you sit around and watch. Which isn't that creepy. It's not as creepy as it sounds. Trust me. I've only been arrested twice. Um, if you sit around and watch those productions, a lot of the stuff stays on the truck. Um, yeah. So you don't need all the stuff that people think they need, especially no. when you're doing a no-budget film. Exactly. And generally, my personal preference in that scenario would be actually not to pull everything off the truck and instead do what's called working off the truck. Yeah. So much easier. I mean, mm -hmm. if you have a really nicely organized truck that you can actually get to things without pulling everything out, that way it's like, oh, you can pull up to the parking lot. Yeah. Um, for a scene, you need like three lights, uh, eight stands, a bunch of flags. You just pull them off the truck as you need them because it's right there, hopefully. Yeah. Flashback time. Me and Alex used to have a grip truck. Yeah, we that did. thing was not organized. It was just it, it was for a, for a little bit for a moment. Yeah, we we time. rented it out for a feature film. Um, we rented it out for some other things as well. But then after the feature film, we just accumulated more equipment and that became like a storage unit. Um, but in, in nowadays and age, now wow, that was just bad. Nowadays, nowadays and, age. and aging. So nowadays, uh, equipment is getting smaller. Um, yep, it's getting more powerful. Yep. So, you know, the grip truck is great, but I mean, if you know somebody who has an SUV, you know, two or three people who have an SUV, you can fill that bad boy up with all the stuff you need to shoot a feature. That's um, true. Me and Alex's, Alex and my new goal is a sprinter. We love a Sprinters sprinter. Sprinters are, are the, the new steez, man. Or oh. they, you know, those like mini sprinters. They're not yeah. even like transits. Transits, but they even have ones that are like schmedium of between the Transit Connect and Sprinters. Ones where I can stand in it, up in it, but you can't. Probably, yeah. But they're also slightly lo longer, so yeah. you can fit just a little bit more. The the Transit Connects are really cool mm -hmm. and great for really small shoots. Yeah. But if you were shooting a feature, you probably wouldn't have enough room. Yeah. So keep keep that in mind. I mean, nowadays when you're when you're putting your list together to go to the rental house, nowadays you don't need to fill up an entire truck if you can. You can make it work with something that'll fit in a bunch of cars. You're good to go, man. Um, you fit in a couple of SUVs. I mean, transits and, and um, sprinters are great, but we're talking no budget filmmaking. So you don't want to have to rent a truck. You don't want to have to rent uh, a sprinter. Um, you just want yeah. to be able to, um, you know, kind of put it in all your friends' cars and, and go. It's true. And that brings up an interesting topic, which is the idea of getting a U Haul, which, as we know, from previous experience, U-Hauls are not the most easy thing to organize no. equipment in because there's no real system. Like you'd have to bring in your own shelf or something, your shelving system yeah. and like ratchet it in there because normally professional grip trucks and electric trucks and all that camera trucks, they all have yeah. shelves inside mm -hmm. uh, that you can sort of organize your equipment onto. But when you have to just kind of like pile everything in and stack on top, <sighs> Stacks it's, on stacks on stacks. Yeah, that's not the way to do it. I yeah, mean, because if you're trying to grab something that's in the back, you're screwed. You're yeah, you'll you, have to you have to dig it out from being buried. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, back to the idea of what's the normal process. Put together your list. Try and keep it as simple as possible for no budget. Uh, simple, simpler the better, because that usually means uh, cheaper. Um, cheaper. Also, I'd like to point out. So early on in my equipment bonanza. Yeah. Um. I sort of had this uh, idea of quantity 
being like ideal, mm. you know? Yeah. Or like, I just wanted like the pro stuff, you know, I had this, this idea in my yeah. mind where it was like, you know, this, the smaller stuff wasn't, wasn't like professional, you yeah. know, I wanted like the big heavy mole lights. I wanted the like five case. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. I, <laughs> I wanted like the junior stands and all that stuff. And it's, it all added up and you know, it's nice to have that stuff when you, you can use it. But yeah. when you're going no budget, you want, like you said, you want light, you want small footprint. Yeah. You want to be able to move in and out of places quickly. You're not grabbing a couple airy M18s for a, a no budget. Like no, the, and those things are gorgeous, and I love those things. They're big. They're big, and They're that's heavy. what you're talking about. But you're not doing that for no budget. No, that's no. when you get your Netflix deal, and you're like, you know, have a five yeah. picture deal with Netflix. And you're like, yeah. I got it. I, they're printing me Netflix cash. Yeah, Netflix or even coin. just like a low budget. Yeah, you, know, you could use it for that. But a no budget or yeah. a micro budget, probably not. You're going LED. You're going battery powered. You're, you know, you're, you're probably, I mean, if it's a no budget, you might even be going like old school tungsten. That's true. But you're going to want to keep use it. old school tungsten. Yeah. I mean, for the first feature, or I guess the second feature that we did, um, it had mostly th- these like old school tungsten lights that I had collected over the years, plus yep. a Kino gaffer kit. And that was kind of like all we had to light with. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> and, and it, I mean it worked. It out. works. I mean, especially you know if you, we go back to like we're gonna go back to like referencing old episodes a lot because it all connects. So you're doing a no budget. You're not you know you're not doing this giant open air scene where you have to light you know with with M18s or something like that because you you hopefully made your script so that you're working with what you have and they're smaller locations and so you don't need a lot of light to blast it. Yeah, or you're working with existing lights, yeah. like we also talked about, where the lighting that you're bringing in is really just meant to accent the the light that already exists in the space. Yeah. So you don't need the big lights to cover the majority of the space. It's already kind of lit. You just want to accent it and make sure your actors' faces are exposed yeah. when they need to be. Now, now, as a DP, do you enjoy going to the rental house, or do you like to just send somebody with your list and be like, I, you know... I, I don't need to go. Um, I don't enjoy it. No, I don't. Uh, because it's not, it's not like shopping. Yeah. You know, it's more of a chore. Uh, but it, I mean, so, uh, I do like to go in that. I feel like depending on who you send, like if you, if you know, if the person that you're sending knows what to do, yeah, uh, it can be kind of a nerve wracking experience oh. sending someone and then hoping the truck has everything on it oh. that you wanted. And and everything works. Like and everything to, works. Like, as a DP, you're able, you can look at equipment and be like, that is kind of janky and probably won't work. Yeah. Or, or just, um, you know, one of the steps of renting from a rental house yeah. is testing the equipment. Yeah. And if they don't do that or they don't really mm-hmm. know how to test it properly mm-hmm. and you come back and you realize, oh, you're missing a cable yeah. or like uh, what's happened to you several times when you've rented sort of like a monitor or like a PIX or whatever, it doesn't have the right power options. You yeah. can't, you can't power the thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that, that kind of stuff gets really frustrating. If, and, if you have somebody you can send that you trust. It helps because then you don't waste a day spending your whole day at the rental house and you can work on like, you know, shot listing or planning and pre-production and all that. One thing, one reason I do like to go is some places around Los Angeles let you come in the, 
you go in the back and there's like a testing room and not just like yeah. make sure it works, but it's like, Hey, get a feel for this camera or get a feel for this light and get a, you know, here, we have a light meter here that you can read the lighting and all that. And it's, it, yeah. it's kind of like fun. Focus charts yeah. and different, different charts you can shoot with your cameras and do tests. Yeah, that is. And that's also important to do if you're renting a camera. I mean, you yeah. should definitely do that. The person who you you're sending or you should go back there and test it. Yeah. And again, it's like if you're, we had a shoot where we rented, I think four cameras and we were driving them to Vegas. Uh, oh, yeah. and yeah, we had to test all those cameras uh. and make sure they were working because the last thing you want to do is drive to Vegas and realize, Oh shoot. We don't have something. Oh shoot. You're so proper. I know. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Um, and, and, um, you know, that idea that you have to test everything and you should is the idea of like, you're going to be there for a good chunk of the day testing everything out to make sure it works. And you should be. Yep. So if there's somebody you can trust that will go for you and that you're like, you know what? I know they're going to come back with everything good. I'd say send somebody. Um, yeah, exactly. So I, I think it'd be more along the lines of not maybe not a PA, no, but you know, the operators not or, to, yeah, not to say the PAs don't know their stuff. Yeah. They do, but you want somebody who's going to be working with Send, the equipment. Like, the gaffer. Yeah. Or someone like that. Yeah. There's a couple gaffers that we've worked with that I totally would trust for going doing equipment trucks. Definitely. And yeah. pickups. Like, absolutely. Um, okay, so the, then the next question is, because this is what we run into all the time. And as we had mentioned before, Alex and I are big equipment junkies. So yep. when do you rent versus just buying? Well, I think it... Um, it depends on the project, mm -hmm. um, and what your ideas are for the future. Because to me, renting makes the most sense. Yeah. If you are, um, shooting a project and you don't really know what's coming up next, or if you're going to be shooting another project down the road. But if you, if you know that you're going to be shooting something, um, or a few things down the road with the same equipment, for example, if you're going to like use a light, you know, for this one project, but you know, that you are also going to use it for the next 10 projects that sort of like offsets the cost in my mind. Yeah. I kind of convinced myself that that's mm -hmm. how finances work. <laughs> <laughs> and this so, is why we're both broke. Yeah. So if it's like a light costs a thousand dollars and it costs $150 to rent, but you know, you're going to use it for the next 10 shoots. Yeah. It's cheaper to buy. And it also depends on if you can get a good deal on buying it. We tend to buy used and our the deals we get are great. And so it's like, you know, even though some of the stuff is older, like our Mac techs aren't the newest, they're they're not even by color. Right. But they're day we got daylight and tungsten bulbs with them. Yep. And so it's like we I mean, what do we get how how much were our uh 4 by 4s? 300. 300 bucks for all of them. No, for one. For one. And how, we have three of them. So that was $1,200. Uh, yeah. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Never mind. <laughs> I thought you meant the four foot by four foot. Oh, no, no. Huge no, monsters. No, not the monsters. Um, I don't remember how much we got those for. I do think it was some something like a couple hundred bucks a piece. A piece. We got three of them. So that's maybe let's go six to $900 for three of them. Yeah. And you start to, and we use these all the time. And you start rent, you know, you start getting a rental, which is, you know, a couple hundred bucks for a shoot, you're already looking at, you're going to be saving money after using them for a couple shoots. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that's to me about, you know, offsetting the idea of like, 
a one-time purchase yep. over time versus renting it every single time. Uh, if you can get good deals, totally worth it. Totally worth it. Uh, but if it's a, when it comes to cameras, unless it's like a DSLR or something like pretty affordable, it's usually way more cost effective to just rent. We say as we have a V35 in our cage. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. It's true. Um, we talk a big talk, but man, we love buying equipment. We do. But if you were going to shoot with like a like an Aerie or something yeah. on, on like one shoot, it would take quite a few shoots to yeah. to make that. I mean, yeah, come, we got a great life. deal on this camera, so I can't complain. I no. mean, it's it we got an awesome deal on it, so I can't say that you know everyone should go out and buy a camera. But um, yeah, no, I mean, it it, it just uh, again depends on budget. Um, uh, we'll get to it a little bit later, but you know, the, also the fact that. Um, once you buy it nowadays, it's much easier to rent it out to people. So if you're, you know, you got to take that into consideration. It's like, okay, I'm going to buy this. It's a good price. And it's also a piece of equipment that's in high demand. So I can rent it to people and make some money back while I'm not using it. Yeah. Can't hate on that. Can't hate on that. Plus, um, another way to look at it again, my, my fictional finances, uh, pep talk that I give myself. Yep. Mm -hmm. That doesn't go very well. But when, when you buy something, yeah, you can use it for however long. And if you buy it, you know, at a great price, mm -hmm. you can then go turn around and sell it. Yep. And again, offset the cost yep. of what you had to spend on it up front. Maybe even make it all back. Maybe even make a profit in some yeah. cases. We, we, we do that all the time. We do that all the time. We buy things at auction. We use them for a little bit. We realize that there's another auction coming up that has some better equipment. So we sell the old, sell the old stuff. And I think we're in the black on all the, uh, on all the stuff we've bought and sold. Yeah, we try to buy things at at least like 50% of the price of the, that we know we can resell it for. Yeah, and sometimes we have to sit on it for a little bit, but in the end, it, it tends to work out. Um, and another reason that sometimes you buy instead of rent is... As we talked about in um, the uh, pre-production about like uh, shot listing and location scouting, sometimes in this day and age you get to shoot the last minute and you don't have time to go rent something, and you may get the you may get the gig because you have equipment readily available. They'll be like, "Oh, I'm looking for a DP who has his own lighting and camera. I don't care what the camera is, but I'm looking for him tomorrow." And you're like, "Well, I don't have time to go rent this, and I don't know what their budget is, but if you can go back and say, "Hey, I have a camera. I have lights." Um, ready to go at any time, and this is my ca This is my price. They're more likely to hire you at your price because they don't have to worry about renting. They don't have to worry about, you know, finding out if this person can use this piece of equipment. Um, it kind of helps helps kind of market you a little bit better to get gigs um, and to shoot stuff if you can be readily available at the last minute with your own gear. Yeah, that's huge nowadays, especially. I think that kind mm -hmm. of happened within the past ten years. Yeah, uh, kind of because of Red. Maybe because it's it became a thing where producers were like looking for a DP with a red, yeah, and that was just like what they wanted because they, they to them that meant oh I'll get a DP and I won't have to rent the camera it'll be free basically because yeah. they'll throw it in yeah and that's kind of that. become the norm yep a little bit or maybe just like a little bit of a bump so instead of instead of paying five hundred bucks a day for a camera rental. You're paying a DP plus 150 or plus 200 dollars. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like added onto his rate a little bit. Mm -hmm. And and with lighting becoming much cheaper with LED and all that, it's not uncommon for a DP to have uh, 
workable lighting setup with their camera. And so you can get a one-stop shop kind of place and just get the DP, get the lighting, get the the camera and get the, I mean it's kind of like it's kind of like when you rent when you uh, hire a sound guy. They usually have a kit that they can bring for another price and it just helps. Exactly. Or if you're a, a gaffer having a truck yeah with a bunch of lights and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's kind of a a promotional tool calling card. You can really go crazy with the pricing though. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah, you can, you can really lowball everyone, or you can you know stick to like trying to get a higher rate. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so a, yeah, it's a delicate balance. It is, it is, it is for sure. I, I think it just depends on each situation if you want to buy or rent. I mean, me and Alex are trying to make a product, trying to build a production company where we have it all and we don't have to rent and we we do it all in house. Um, but if you're you're a producer or you're a director and you know you you are hired onto a project. You don't necessarily need to buy things. There's a budget to rent stuff, or you rent people with equipment. Rent people with equipment. Jeez, you you hire people with equipment and just rent their gear for a little bump. Um, it just depends. Uh, for the most part, you're probably going to end up renting a lot with uh, no budget films. Um, you're going to rent a small setup just because that's much easier and you do, it's not that much as much money up front. But as you build up. You'll realize that you there's some lighting that people like to use, or there's some cameras that people like to use, and you can start affording it, and it just makes it a lot easier. Yeah, you, I think if you're going to buy stuff, if you decide that you want to go that route, that's the best way to do it. Is kind of piece by piece. You know, you don't have to buy everything all at once. You don't have to throw down thirty grand or whatever yeah. to buy a camera, lights, uh, stands, grip, yeah. you know, all that stuff. You can buy kind of piece by piece as you go. Things that you realize that you use a lot yeah you'll probably want to buy those things first um and then things that you think you would you know need but don't actually end up using that often you can you know figure that out and decide i'm not going to buy that because i don't use it as much as i thought i would yeah and also in this day and age uh film equipment is becoming like computers uh Back in in my back in the olden days, it used to be like the second you buy a computer, it's obsolete because something's coming be- uh, that's better a week later, and you just spent a lot of money on that. And there is so much equipment coming out every day uh, from people making LED lights to cameras to uh, grip well, yeah, equipment. All the all the camera manufacturers have yeah. basically decided that now they're going to release new cameras every quarter, basically. Exactly. So, like that's another thing to keep in mind is that. You could buy a piece of equipment that you think is going to be used a lot, and it'll still be used, but it's not going to be the hottest, greatest thing six months down the line. Yeah, that's why you got to um, really do your research on this stuff. If you're buying it for the specific reason of renting it out, or for the specific reason of you know trying to sell it later, yep. you have to kind of you know be very aware of what else is out there, what's coming out, because you could say you know one month the camera that you bought could be worth 10 grand and the next month it could be worth four grand Yeah, because they just came out with the new one mm-hmm. and they're they're The company itself is selling brand new versions of the camera that you have yeah. for four grand and yours is used. And now you have to like try to deal with that whole thing. And that happens all the time. I mean, Canon is, is notorious. Keep in mind, if you see something 
this is this comes up to our equipment envy. If you see a camera, especially cameras, if you see a camera that's like, ooh, we just knocked off $2,000 off this camera, beware that in the next two months they're going to release something new. They're just getting rid of all their old stock to, put, it, to put in the new stock. Um, we just purchased uh, two GH5Ss to kind of do some shooting around our studio. Um, they kind of meld well with our V35. And, you know, the reason we got a good deal on them is because the GH6 is right around the corner. It's got to be. Got to be. It hasn't been announced Even yet. Even though the GH5S kind of just came out. Doesn't matter. But, man. Uh, they're they already just, on the GH7. They just rocket through yeah, all that exactly. stuff. So, yeah, just know what your purpose is. And um, from there. Oh, yeah. I was also going to say, sorry to interrupt. <laughs> um, Fine. <laughs> uh, when you purchase equipment, you have the added benefit of being able to take it and do tests with it. Yes. Um, that perhaps you wouldn't be able to do when you're renting because that's an extra day of rental. You know, you if you're going to do, for example, uh, camera tests, which you probably should do if you're making a feature or something like that, mm-hmm. take it out into the locations or the types of scenarios that you're going to be shooting, um, create those LUTs like we, like we mentioned, and um, uh, do basically uh, like detailed tests on all the yeah. equipment to make sure it's going to perform how you want. How exactly how you want it to when the day comes. Um, these types of things, uh, you know, if you're going to rent, it's going to cost you extra to do that. Yep. If you happen to own it, yep. it doesn't cost you anything more than what you already paid for it. So Yeah, might as you going to finish your thought? Huh? Oh, damn it, I was going to try and interrupt you as a payback, um, but nope. you trailed off there. Loser! Um, <laughs> I was also going to say... Um, I mean, if you couldn't guess, we could talk about equipment for hours. We we love equipment and all that. But keep in mind, is when you buy, you gotta have insurance. You do need insurance when you rent, but it's a lot cheaper for like production insurance than it is to have production insurance and equipment insurance. Um, yeah, you you gotta you gotta insure all your equipment. So if anything happens to it, you can get it replaced. Exactly. And the more equipment you get, the more expensive that premium is. Um, we've had a lot of expensive premiums over the years because we keep buying equipment and keep insuring it. So there's a lot of things to consider when you're either renting or buying, and it's just the purpose, how much money you have, and how much are you going to use the equipment if you're going to buy it. Yeah. And so there's uh, a couple options nowadays for uh, renting. One of them that we use all the time is ShareGrid. Um, if you're And we also rent, uh, rent our stuff on ShareGrid. So. Exactly. We have our... Equipment that we that we purchase listed up there, and what we do, um, it's basically like a little sort of marketplace where individuals and companies can both together sort of uh, list all everything that they have up on this website. People can go on it and uh, find what they're looking for, and usually it's cheaper than it would be at uh, a larger rental house uh, or something like that. And it's kind of a it's kind of a kooky um, scenario for picking up and dropping off because you have to kind of work around the individual schedule. In that way, it's very similar to sort of renting from Craigslist or something like that. Which there's positives and negatives to it because um, it, instead of being able to go pick up all your gear at once in one location, you might have to run to five or six different spots around town which can be kind of a pain um yeah and i think that is one of the advantages of renting from a rental house is that you can do it all in one trip um 
and you don't have to like, you know, ask guy in Santa Monica what time you could pick up the camera, and then ask guy in Long Beach when you could pick up the monitor. And if they are only available at the same time, they have to authorize somebody else to go down and pick up the one item. And so it does become a pain, but you could you could save a lot by doing ShareGrid. Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. And so the other kind of potential issue with ShareGrid is you don't necessarily know what the quality or like how well the equipment has been kept up because it mm-hmm. is individuals. There's really no sort of like standardization or like expectation from ShareGrid for you to maintain your products or your, uh, your items in, in a certain way. So you could theoretically show up and have a piece of equipment that's pretty damaged or like, you know, not really as nice as you would expect from yeah. a rental house. It's never happened to me, but I no. just I've, I've thought about that recently. Like, what if you, what if you decided to rent like a monitor and the one you got kind of just has like a big scratch down the front or something? Yeah, and and um, on the flip side, going back to hey, if you're going to buy equipment and want to rent it out, you're it, it's not not that it's not it, it's bad. Um, there have been some horror stories of people who get their equipment back that's broken and it's a pain to get reimbursed. Um, because right. the, whoever rents it has to either buy insurance, a day insurance through ShareGrid, or have their, provide their own insurance. Um, but you know, you never know what kind of equipment you're, uh, what what uh, shape the equipment's going to get back in. We've had uh, follow focus brains fry because people put too much power into it, not knowing what they were doing, and just fried the brain. And we had to get yeah. that sent in. Um, I had a friend of ours, a, a guy we work with a lot. Um, he sent out a monitor. And it came back with a giant scratch on it. And Not he, even a scratch. The whole thing was cracked, I think. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And the guy had ShareGrid insurance. And the guy said, well, I can't afford to pay for this fix right now. And it's like, well, that, it doesn't matter. Like, there's insurance. This, it doesn't matter if you can't pay for it or not. This is the responsibility you take when, right. you, when you rent. Um, so, there, you know, ShareGrid's great. It's, the, you know, this whole, people always say the sharing society or the sharing generation that we're in, like Uber and Airbnb and yeah, ShareGrid and all that. Exactly. I, we have not used KitSplit. KitSplit is, is very similar. It's a competitor. A competitor. Uh, we haven't used it yet. We'll probably go up on there. Um, but, I mean, just from ShareGrid, it's great. We we've, we've have equipment that we rent out all the time. I'd say we get maybe one or two rentals a week. Things tend to rent like the same things tend to rent over and over again. Definitely, um, we uh, we're close to making all of our money back on the things that we bought new for renting it. Um, yeah, we bought a, a DJI Osmo Pro, yeah. and that thing rents out all the time. True, um, but to be fair, that was purchased for a project that, and it was basically already paid for. That's true. That's uh, true by the yeah. project. So um, then there's also the the strange world of the companies that ship equipment to you. Yeah. These, these guys are still killing it. Even with yeah. ShareGrid, these guys are still killing it. Borrow lenses and lens mm-hmm. pro to go are the two that I know of. Yeah. And, that, those are like the two big ones. And those I imagine are great for people who are out in towns where you can't necessarily get, well, ShareGrid is only available in certain cities. Yep. It's, it's kind of slowly rolling out nationwide. Slowly rolling out. So it's, it's like LA, Atlanta, New York, Chicago, maybe. Uh, yeah, is that it? I think it is. Let me see. Um, but borrow lenses. I mean, if you're if you're in Florida or if you're in uh, San Francisco, Seattle, San Diego, yeah, huh, in New York, we've got New York. Yep, interesting. Um, but yeah, but, yeah. If you happen to be like kind of in the middle of the country or something, and you don't have access to equipment rental houses and share grid, yeah, you know, this these companies will. You can basically go online, and it's it's basically like shopping online. Mm-hmm. You put the items in your cart. Uh, you check out, 
they basically overnight or like FedEx the the items to you. You use them for the amount of time that you rented it for. You stick it back in the return box that they give you yep. and send it off to the post office or whatever and it gets shipped back to them. Borrow lenses used to be just lenses, but they do everything now. Um, and yeah, what, there's limited lighting, I think. Yeah. It's mostly camera. Yeah. Camera support, camera accessories. There, are, there is some lighting and stuff, but you're not going to get like yeah. a grip truck's worth of like C yeah, stands to, and stuff to be shipped to you. Um, we, when we were dabbling a little bit in VR, we uh, we rented ten GoPros from Borrow Lenses, and I think Borrow Lenses. I don't know about Lens Pro to go, but I think Borrow Lenses. They actually have a network of approved, yeah, uh, like businesses where they ship it to. So they don't want to ship it to your door because, say, your neighbor steals it or whatever so when we rented the 10 gopros they actually shipped it to a mom and pop camera shop in uh glendale and we just picked it up inspected it there the 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 guy uh who was working the counter knew exactly what to do had a sign off on everything was as we expected took picked it up shot with it brought it back to right there they shipped it out it worked flawlessly it was great yeah and i mean that was a situation where i mean we live in la yeah there's plenty of rental houses but renting ten GoPros is not easy. No, and at any like you would have to go to probably several rental houses to do that anyway. Yeah, and uh, ShareGrid would be a nightmare. ShareGrid would be an absolute nightmare. And ten separate locations all around Los Angeles, <laughs> including the Valley. Oh my god, the worst. But they, Borrow Lenses had ten. Yeah, and, and it shipped would, it all out in one box. It was great. And the price is great, and uh, uh, yeah, couldn't have been happier. Um, so yeah, I mean, like. That is good. ShareGrid's good for people who own equipment and people who want to rent equipment. And because ShareGrid is, it works just like any other rental house, you know, uh, three-day weekend for the price of one day, uh, three-day uh, rental for a week. Um, yeah. You can, it, it's actually, I would almost recommend to many people out there. It's actually a one-day weekend. One-day weekend. They pay one for day one day, you get three. And yeah. a three-day week. Yeah. Um, my mistake, I misspoke. I knew what I wanted to say, but it wasn't coming. I knew what you said. Yeah, I know. You but usually do. I knew what you should have said as well. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. Um, I would actually recommend if you are, um, because ShareGrid's a little bit cheaper, if you are looking to go big time camera for your shoot, if you want to use something that's kind of expensive, don't know which one, rent it for a day on ShareGrid. Um, it's probably going to be cheaper. You get to test out a camera and kind of play around with it out in the field. Um, you know, a lot of rental houses don't let necessarily let you take it out unless you are renting it. Um, and you can test it out, give it a go, see what it, uh, you know, see what you think of it. Or even better, it. rent it out over the weekend yeah, for the cost of one day. Exactly. So then you can really go crazy. Yep. And uh, give it a test shot. ShareGrid's great. I, I love it. We use it a lot. We rent a lot on it. Um, and it's kind of like the new way to go. It just got to keep in mind that you are going to have to run around town if you're trying to put together an entire shoot through ShareGrid. Yeah. And if you're, that's actually a good point to bring up, uh, just in general. If you're going to shoot a low budget, no budget project, yeah, I'm guessing, or you know, from our experience as well, uh, you're probably going to do it over the weekend. You know, your your actors and everyone, and you probably got day jobs and everything like that. So doing a weekend shoot is probably ideal schedule wise. So why not take advantage of the one day, mm -hmm. pick up on Friday, drop off on Monday. You basically get three days worth of rental for one, the cost of one day. Yep. If you do that for a few weekends in a row, 
you know, you're going to basically pay for like four or five days yep. and get, you know, 15 days worth of rentals out of it. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a good, it's a very good option. Um, love me some share grid. Um, they are improving every day. Um, and then, uh, yeah. Anything else when it comes to renting equipment? Well, um, I don't think so. I mean, that's pretty much it. It pretty much sums it up. If you if you got the money and you have a lot of projects on the pipeline, always looking to buying if you can get a good deal. Um, you know, there's educational discounts that a lot of companies throw out. Um, Craigslist is a great way to buy used equipment. Um, it's a great way to, you know, everyone says you should get the newest and greatest, but we have old equipment that we still use and it's fine and it doesn't matter how Not it only looks. that we still use, but that gets rented out by other people. Yeah. You know, we bought a used um, Easy Rig, yeah, which is sort of this backpack type thing that you strap on, and it has a, a pole that goes over your head, and it has a um, sort of spring-loaded cable mm-hmm. that takes the weight of a camera off your off your shoulders, which is just absolutely crucial when you're using yeah. like a big Airy Alexa or like a V35. That thing was crucial when we shot in the woods. We we basically bought it for us. We bought it for us, and we bought it used. Yeah, because they're very expensive. They're about yeah. three grand. I think we bought ours for about fifteen hundred. Yeah, so pretty good. And that thing gets rented out all the time. All the time. Um, I mean, it's just a, it's one of those items that after you spend one day with <sighs> a big camera on your shoulder, oh. you will spend your own money out of pocket as an operator to get one of those things well, because it's just a nightmare. Especially when you're on a no budget and you don't have the crew to take it off your shoulders after every every take. Yeah, you don't have an AC going. You don't have an AC that can just pull it off and put it on the ground or put it on a table. Yep. You're going to just be sitting there waiting for them to make adjustments. You're going to be dying. It's going to be terrible. Yep. Yeah. I, I think I probably told this story already, but there was uh, – one of the very first shoots I did on the original Red One camera oh. was this TV pilot, um, and it was I was an operator. Yeah, we got stories for days because he told the story, but from the perspective of learning how to use the Red One without ever having right. to use it. Yeah, that's right. You got stories for days. They may just be the same story. The same story from a different perspective. Yeah, get on board. Twelve-year-old child perspective. <laughs> So Continue. I had, luckily, thank God, there was an AC for that shoot, um, but it was entirely handheld Ugh. for the whole 12-hour day. And the Red Ones are known for just their massive beastliness, and they were they were heavy, the lenses on it were heavy, the batteries I mean, were heavy, yeah, the building whole thing. Out any Red, building it out, it gets heavy. Like, it looks all pretty on, on the site when it's just like a big, nice block of camera. Yeah. But... All the accessories you need on those things, those things get heavy fast. Yeah, and I think the Red 1 was probably three times heavier than like the Red Epic or something like that. But So I had this thing on my shoulder, no no special you know, easy rig to relieve my pain, no even like shoulder pad type thing. It, it, was, it was just a nightmare. And I could feel myself tipping oh. you know, the whole day. It was oh. like it was almost like my shoulder became sloped on that side from just compensating and I would get like cramps and things like that. It was really 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 bad. To put it in perspective, I just looked it up. The Red Epic, just the body. Yes. 5 pounds. The Not Red bad. the Red 1, just yep. the body, 10 mm. pounds. 10 pounds. Yeah, yeah, twice the weight and then you add on the, all the accessories. And back Ooh. then, the the batteries were heavier than they are now. The, oh yeah. Um, I mean, if you're using 
big like red pro primes those things are like five pounds a piece it's funny because we have uh we have our v35 um and that is a beastly camera but surprisingly very beastly camera but surprisingly our our case of six uh sony prime lenses yep outweigh that thing in a heartbeat oh yeah the lenses can be extremely lenses i mean good glass weighs a lot so i mean it is it is like this the, the easy rig is fantastic and it's older i mean a lot of people like their gimbals and their you know sure i mean it's for a different thing it's not it's true. not the same it's, it's like, not for uh, stabilization but no. i mean these days people want like they want the thing the yeah. light camera that can yeah. skate yeah. around on exactly but this this i mean this is something we bought for us and we rent it out all the time i'm it's paid for itself already in yeah. rentals um and it's i always recommend if you can find a good deal and it's something that is never going to go obsolete in terms of usage. It may not be pretty. It may not be the hottest new thing. Buy it. Just buy it. Yeah. And also, with something like that, you'll find, like, after I had that one shoot, I knew I never <laughs> wanted to do that ever again. And you know there's other people that feel the exact same way. And so yeah. that's why, you know, I didn't. we didn't necessarily put the pieces together ahead of time. Mm-hmm. But that's why it's been one of the best things that rents for us because... On features uh, where they're using these bigger pro cinema cameras and stuff, they need that, and they need it for a longer period of time. And so that's why it's become one of our top renters. Yeah, exactly. And and it's 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 kind of it's a beastly thing, and not much to break on it. So it's just kind of just gets beat up, but it keeps takes a licking and keeps on ticking. Yep. Um. So yeah, I think that 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 does it. Um. Uh, so let's move on to our final segment, and that is, Alex, what's cool? Uh, yeah, what's cool? So speaking of red, <laughs> this is something, I, a red had just had an event um, a yeah. couple of days ago where they revealed for the first time to sort of the public, not really the public, but just like a small group. And uh, the public wants everyone puts out their YouTube videos of it. Exactly. Uh, the Red Hydrogen which is their weird little cell phone thing. Um, That's like... It's like a camera. VR. It's like a module camera. Yeah. Modular camera, I mean. Yeah. Um, but it's the size of a phone, and it is a phone, but it also has what what they call a holographic display. Yeah, like it, you can lay it flat and it displays holograms. I, no, that's not that's not no? at all what it is. Oh God, that's Even, exactly what it sounds like. Yeah, but turns out it's not. And what's weird about it is they've been letting people sort of view it mm-hmm. and post YouTube videos about it, but okay. no one yet has been able allowed to post what the actual product itself looks like when it's operating. You know, you can see sort of like the people holding it in their hands. Yeah but they're not showing what the holographic display is. All they're doing is showing their reaction to it, which is very smart, I think, on Red's, you know, mm-hmm. for Red, because yeah. it makes everyone really curious about it because people are flipping out over it, and uh, you just you really want to see it. And basically, what I've heard is that it's called a holographic display, but really, it's like a new take on 3D Okay, that doesn't... The 3D effect doesn't require glasses obviously and they've done that on phones before and it doesn't require that really bad plastic that over it like the glass and what it does is it doesn't it doesn't break the 3d effect 
when you view it from an angle. Oh. How does it do that? That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So if that's what it does, I mean, I'm not a huge 3D fan, and like, no. why would I care about that? Like, why would I want to shoot 3D on my phone? I don't know. But it seems really cool. It seems like an interesting thing. I, I just want to see it. I probably won't buy one. Yeah, I mean, I'm I interested. I do like the idea of the phone itself as like a modular camera. Yeah. That's kind of cool. Well, they did just announce, to jump on that, that uh, Red is partnering with Lucid, Um to make an 8K 3D camera where the Hydrogen 1 is the monitor. Oh, so like, interesting. So I don't know if they're, they're going to build off like making it like the Hydrogen 1 being the body of a camera, but they are already starting to work on making it like the viewfinder for uh, a Red-inspired camera. Very interesting. Yeah. I do like that. I mean, Red Red's always kind of been innovative, uh, at least with their thinking, perhaps yeah. not with all of their execution. Um, yeah. the modularness of their products. Yep. Uh, that's always interesting. And speaking of, I also heard, I didn't plan on talking about this, Ooh. but Red just announced that uh, to avoid confusion with their cameras because they always have, oh, like, yeah. they have like a dozen different models of camera. <laughs> yeah. They, they've decided they're just going to make one body and have it, you can buy the one body and then you select what type of sensor you want in it. Gotcha. And Instead of buying like the red helium or the red uh, weapon. Now, is this going to be? Is this going to be where you select when you're purchasing what sensor you want it, or is it interchangeable sensors so you can later switch it out? I believe you select when you purchase okay. it. Although I imagine you'd be able to send it and have them switch it out if you wanted to for a price. For a price. Um, so jumping on to, I'm going to jump on that with one, uh, one of my what's cool, and it is. Um, in the camera range, and it is a little-known company called Cinemartin. Uh, oh yeah, you were telling me about this. Yeah, so they're a little Spanish company. They make uh, usually they make camera accessories, but they have just revealed that they are getting into camera building, and they are going to build an 8K camera with wait for it a global shutter. What? For those who don't know, one thing that people have a problem with. Uh, especially on reds and all that, is the rolling shutter, which kind of gives it a jelly look on movement. Yeah, when you pan really fast, uh, the straight lines become uh, at an angle and they kind of wobble. And curved and, and wobbled and all that. And what a global shutter does is it prevents that. Yeah, the global shutter is basically like a mechan- a real-life yeah. shutter, uh, not a digital shutter like in all these uh, newfangled digital cinema cameras. Yeah, so a, 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 ro- a rolling uh, rolling shutter kind of captures the image from top to bottom, which is why, if, as it's moving, it captures the top of it, and then a millisecond later, the image is moving, and so the next line is over slightly, and that's why your lines get... Uh, um, exactly. It's like yeah. the scan lines of a TV. Like exactly. You, you and, had the old school TV. And a global sh- global shutter, boom, captures the whole image at once, and so you don't get any of that. Um, you know, It's kind of a big deal to have a global shutter. A lot of the digital cameras don't really have one. Um, yeah, I think one of the only... Well... Some of the Alexas do. Yep. And then um, the old Sony F65 had a global shutter. Uh, you're forgetting one as well. Blackmagic? Nope, because we were all about it. The Aja Cineon. Remember that? Oh, the Scion thing. The Scion, that's what it is. Yeah, that one has a global shutter. And we were all, that's right. We were all excited about that. That's right. So we've had the option of global shutter in either really expensive pro cameras yeah. or kind of weird fringy cameras that don't end up having making the splash that we would have hoped. Exactly. So hopefully, 
this one. Yeah. Hopefully this isn't like some crazy price, but you know, Cindy Martin seeing it's their like first dive into to uh cameras and granted it's gonna be eight K, but you know, it the hope is that it's not gonna be super, super expensive. Yeah. I mean, that sounds pretty cool to me. Yeah, I'll, I'll give it a test run. I want to check it out for sure. Oh, definitely. All right, so what else you got that's cool? Uh, the last thing that I had was The Rain on Netflix, which I decided to check out. God, it's probably like on my list of 350 things I need to watch. Yeah, it's kind of a kooky idea. Um, okay. It's, the idea is that um, the the rain in this, this town uh, has a virus in it where if you are out in the rain, you'll sort of like vomit and wicked witch seize up and melt and Melting. die you'll Melting. die okay you'll die and so That's, uh, this family goes into a bunker provided by uh that you're gonna say bungalow yeah <laughs> they go into a beach bungalow and uh, <laughs> they're safe they just wait it out <laughs> so they go into a bunker and they survive um and so and then they get out of the bunker and have to sort of figure out what's happening and why mm-hmm. it's a mystery it's um it's a little bit like 28 Days Later-esque, uh, you know, it has that kind of vibe. Okay. Uh, because when they get out of the bunker, everyone's kind of dead or, you know, basically the world has changed completely. Mm-hmm. The people that are alive are kind of more yeah, animalistic, trying to survive and stuff yeah. like that. It's pretty cool. It's a... I actually don't... I think it's a Danish show. Okay. It's all subtitled, right? It's all subtitled. Yeah. Um, Really cool cinematography. Nice. Some cool productions. I really like kind of those Danish Man. shows that have been popping up they are on killing Netflix. It. They are killing it. Uh, yeah. that, speaking of that kind of uh, that kind of show, have you seen the previews for Colony? Colony is that um, Martin Freeman? How is it? Oh no, no, you're thinking of Cargo. Cargo, there it is. God, why am I thinking Colony? I've seen too many uh, TNT oh, yeah, for sure. trailers from <laughs> Colony. Yeah, uh, Cargo, yes, where his his wife dies, is a zombie, bites him, yeah. and they have an infant daughter. And so yep. he's getting sick, but he also has to care for his daughter. And like the people who aren't sick are like rounding up the zombies and like shooting them and yeah. like, going on hunts. And It looks awesome. It looks pretty cool. Yeah, it reminds me a little bit of that movie, um, The Road? Yeah, The Road was a, man, that's a depressing movie. That's a depressing yeah. book, too. I remember reading that book in, like, one week, and I was like, oh, this is just so depressing, but I'm going to yeah. keep reading. Um, totally. I want to see that one. Yeah. I love, I love uh, Martin. Martin Freeman? Freeman. Oh, he's fantastic in everything he does. Sherlock. Oh, yep, Sherlock. Love it. All the superhero movies that he's in, just fantastic. Uh, my final what's cool is I don't know if you've seen these, but knowing how into lenses you are, have you heard of the Zeiss Supreme Cinema Primes? I have, Oh, yes. my gosh. Large format. Large format. Um, they are 1.5 throughout, except for the 115 and the 150. Um, yeah, that's pretty crazy. Oh, God. And I mean, it's a, a lineup of, I think it's about, I think it's about 13 lenses. Yeah. The, the, those things are going to be, you're going to oh. be able to... Because so you got expensive. the large format, yeah. plus it's a 1.5, you're going to have to just like razor thin focus if you I, want to. Yeah. It's like, it's crazy. It's going to be, they're going to be so beautiful. Yeah. They're going to be so expensive, but so beautiful. Yeah. It's always so expensive. The lenses are one of those things where it's just always expensive, no matter what. And they, they don't go bad. Like, unless, as long as you keep them well, like, uh, Maintained. Yeah. Store them well. Yeah. You're, as long as you keep them free from mold or dust or moisture. 
you're gonna yeah. you're gonna have great lenses. I mean, me and Alex, going back to another story, we bought what did we buy those Zeisses for? Four grand. We bought these Zeisses for four grand. They were what year? They were 1970s. They were like Zeiss Super Speeds. Yep, they were Zeiss Mark Two. Mark Two, Mark I think. They set said, of four. Set of four. That's right. Uh, we brought them to the good old Duclos lenses in yep. L.A., had them refurbed. I think we spent about $2,000 to refurb them, so we yep. had about $6,000 in on those. Yep. And we sold them for? Eleven. Eleven. Eleven thousand. Almost doubled our, our money after refurbing them. And, and that just shows you that no matter what happens, no matter what happens, lenses will always be expensive. <laughs> yeah, man. And especially stuff like that where it's a super speed. Like those new Zeiss's 1.5s, I mean, those are going to be hot ticket items oh right there. Oh my gosh, yeah. Um, so they already have prices on them, but they're in pounds, so I'm going to do the conversion right now. Um, whoo, that's, I mean, that's typical. You're going to convert it to grams? Yeah. Uh, yep, yep, to ounces. Ounces. Uh, ounces. Uh, the the 25 millimeter PL mount. Uh-huh. Just that one. Just the one. $18,000. <laughs> Yeah, that is that's some pricey stuff. I think we could not get away buying those before we buy houses because we would be dead. My God. They could at least film our murder in beautiful, crisp, <laughs> <laughs> Supreme Cinema yeah. Primes. That uh, costs more than some cameras out there. Yeah. Just one lens. Just one lens. Yep. Can you imagine putting that lens on something like a GH5S? It'd be hilarious. <laughs> I know someone's going to do it. Oh. You always see those photos on Instagram of people yeah. doing that kind of weird stuff where it's like, oh, here's my A7S2 <laughs> and it's got uh, it's got master primes on it. So here's here's another story to, to close this out. Uh, we have a dear friend that we've been working with. We went to college with him. Um, he is, you know, he's killed it. He sold a, a script that's been made into a movie. He's been an executive <laughs> at, uh, you know, uh, a production company. Uh, love the guy to death. Uh one of my oldest friends from school and uh he had an a7s yes um and he hit me up um this is before we had our studio this is before we had our well no we had our storage unit but we're not going to put our super expensive six lens prime kit in a storage unit so i had him at my house and he hits me up and he says hey can i rent these and we're like yeah Absolutely, yeah. Let's let's make some money here. There were Sony lenses, Sony lenses, Sony Cine Primes, four uh, K uh, lenses. He had the Sony cameras, so and, he thought they yeah. would work together. And I remember wheeling them out of my apartment, and then he's like, "Oh man, that's a big case for those lenses." I'm like, "Well, yeah, they're pretty big lenses." And I just remember opening that case for him to show him, and his eyes just darted back and forth as he was processing how in the hell these lenses <laughs> that were going to weigh twice the amount of his camera were going to work. Yeah. And they could have. They could have. And you need if a sick mount. If he had a mount, Sony yeah. E-mount to PL mount, could totally do that. And support. Well, see, what happens is those those mounts, those adapters, have uh, a support on the... Or it's like a basically a tripod screw on the bottom. So then you mount the tripod to the mount itself. The camera just kind of hangs off oh, because yeah. it's so light. doesn't matter. Yeah. And then the lens itself is supported by the tripod. Oh, man. But, man, yeah. that's so dumb. Yeah. I mean, I guess it'd be kind of... It, it could be kind of cool, I guess, depending on what kind of lenses you got going on, but... But, I mean, like, come on. <laughs> Hilarious. Slightly overkill. And, I, and, and needless to say, he did not rent them. Because um, we, <laughs> they we, weren't quite right for yeah, what he wanted. <laughs> quite exactly what he was expecting. We all had a good belly laugh on that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think that'll do it for this uh, this episode. Have you got anything else to say that's uh, mind-blowing and groundbreaking? No, I don't think I do. Mm. I'll save that for next time. Mm. Because... 
You're gonna you gotta leave think them of it. with the cliffhanger. <laughs> you gotta you gotta figure out what it is. And I gotta figure out what it is. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thanks for joining us on this episode of No Budget Filmmaking. Don't forget to hop on over to iTunes and subscribe to our podcast. And if you feel so inclined and actually like what we're talking about and don't think we're annoying, just hit us with that five star rating. Yep. And uh, you can get the show notes for this episode by visiting nobudgetfilmmaking.com slash episode six. And while you're there, if you have any filmmaking questions, you can go go ahead and ask it in the comments section and we'll try to answer them on the next podcast. And also do us one solid and like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at Cinema Summit. And that will do it for this episode of No Budget Filmmaking. We'll see you next time. <laughs> Later. Later.